Hello and welcome to another episode of Cyberspeak with InfoSec Institute. Today's guest is Michael Sherwood, Senior Director of Techn Technician Services at Malwarebytes. Today we're going to talk about one of the very specific features of Malwarebytes, namely the group's free malware removal forums. Michael Sherwood leads Malwarebytes' Technician Services Division as well as the organization's public forums. He specializes in software development, toolkit development, and change management, and has architected and patented automated malware removal methodologies. He's also a prime mover behind assimilating the Geek Squad into Best Buy, growing from 50 to 20,000 global technicians. Michael, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, give me a little bit about your security journey. What, uh, how long have you been interested in security and, and tech and all that kind of thing? Well, it starts all the way back in 1984. I was fortunate enough to receive an uh, Apple IIc. Uh, for those of you that remember, that was a pretty cool device back then. Yeah, so top of the line, yeah. Super young, uh, but I really fell in love with you know, technology, taking things apart, and really kind of breaking and being curious um, and it's just kind of followed me throughout my career. I also served in the United States Air Force, uh, so got a little bit more of my professional training from the Air Force. Uh, obviously went the college route for a little bit, uh, learned some great stuff there, and really just packaged it all together. And I, I kind of jokingly say I uh, was put on this planet to serve people, and I just happened to be good at technology. Nice. Um, now, did you work in a security capacity in the military as well? Uh, just a little bit, yeah. So essentially from a um, uh, quick version is we made sure that there was high-speed internet uh, throughout all of the kind of deployed locations. So if a plane went down or maybe there was an exercise that we needed to do, we took all of our equipment from the office and made sure that we had uh, internet uh, and from a secure perspective uh, anywhere on the planet. Hmm. Okay, very interesting. So uh, tell me a little bit about the origins of Malwarebytes. How did it begin? What was its trajectory? Like how, would, how did... How and when did it differentiate itself from other computer protection, especially antivirus plans? Sure. Well, it's interesting we're going to talk about the forums is that's really where Malwarebytes started. So our founder, Marcin, um, similar to many of our users, uh, found himself with a little bit of malware um, on his machine at the time. And he, uh, this is ironic for him and I's relationship, he couldn't afford the services of Geek Squad. Uh, and other uh, kind of computer repair companies. Mm -hmm. And so he went out looking for his own uh, kind of solutions and he stumbled upon forums where then he started co-creating and co-authoring uh, some small utilities that eventually turned into Malwarebytes. Uh, and then uh, it turned into the protection that you see as well as all of the other suites of uh, applications that we have. Um, so for those of us who tend to just sort of set it and forget it with regards to our protection plans, what are the divisions between what antivirus software does and what anti-malware does? Because I know sometimes they'll tell you to use both. Or whatever. Yeah, 15 years ago, my answer would have been they're very different. Um, but okay. nowadays, uh, they have just started to really merge um, what they mean. And I think there's a little bit of an old school train of thought of, you know, do I need antivirus? Do I need anti-malware? What I would tell you is you need a good security stack. And that could be anti-malware, that could be antivirus, that could be a browser uh, extension, it could be a call blocking app on your phone. So there's all sorts of ways to kind of um, slice and dice that. Okay, so um, yeah, I guess let's, let's, let's jump forward to that a little bit. What, um, what would you be your sort of optimal security stack, as you put it? Like, what, would, what, what do you think um, any sort of savvy computer user worth their salt these days should have, you know, going for their system? 
Sure. The first answer is it always depends, you know, what you're trying to do. Um, but if we make some assumptions that it's a Windows device, you know, it's a home, uh, home PC, laptop, what have you, uh, traditional antivirus, traditional anti-malware obviously is a, a no-brainer, but also having some sort of powerful extension, uh, maybe even some piracy, um, um, you know, utilities to look at uh, what's actually going on in the machine, uh, as well as a good password manager strategy. So making sure that you've got good passwords, two-factor authentication enabled and everything. Uh, and then most importantly, assume your data and all of your stuff is going to be hacked or released at some point. So controlling that uh, flow of information is critical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, regarding malware bytes, uh, what are some functions that you think most users are unaware of or could be used more thoroughly? I think, you know, again, I think most people, okay, I got my thing, I turned it on, I set the thing. Uh, you know, I, I make sure it, it scans once in a while. Um, what would be your sort of like optimization plan for your for your package? Sure. Uh, so I got two answers on that. The first one's going to sound like a sales pitch, uh, but most people that use our application use it in the remediation standpoint. So they grab a free trial, they grab one of our portable scanners, they kind of remediate, and then it goes into free mode, which is essentially non-proactive mode. So the first tip I would say is make sure you've got a, a pro, proactive approach with our application. Of course, that's the paid application. Uh, and then the second is we offer a variety of applications across platforms, specifically um, on the mobile platform. It's a huge scammers um, haven for uh, text messages, phone calls. And we've got some really powerful apps that are looking at blocking uh, and helping people stay, stay safe on those platforms. Are these, these are sort of like add-ons to the, uh, the standard malware premium? Uh, these would be completely separate products at this ah. point. We are looking at kind of converging at some point, but with Apple's ecosystem, it, it's, it's separate right now. Okay, so yeah, so wh uh, what are the sort of different pieces of the malware bytes puzzle at this point? Yeah, so we've got our traditional, you know, kind of Windows and Mac pro proactive protection. We've got, of course, remediation services inside of that. We offer a little bit more of an enterprise-wide approach with our endpoint protection uh, application. And then, of course, we've got uh, some mobile applications out there for, um, you know, the average consumer that's looking to get a little bit of scam and, um, you know, uh, protection on that angle. Uh, do you recommend sort of higher levels of things for people who are, you know, doing streaming, doing, you know, downloading, using their stuff more than just like emails and, and, you know, watching movies. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that's probably changed over time where, you know, if, if you go back 15 or 20 years ago, you could technically be safe um, on the internet to a degree. Uh, and kind of, if you weren't clicking on the wrong sites and kind of doing the wrong thing, you're, you're safe or safer. Mm -hmm. Nowadays with, you know, the Equifax breach with the Yahoo breaches with the Marriott breach that happened this week, you can do as much safe stuff as you want and you're yep. still going to get taken advantage of. So um, from a security stack, you know, stack standpoint, it's still very critical to have those on your machine, no matter what you're doing, even if it's the safe route uh, as you deemed. Yeah. Now, and now there was that, that article recently about uh, how like 50% of scam sites have the, have the lock in the, you know, the URL and that, that appear to be, safe sites to you know, <laughs> an, an unobservant person. So I, I think got we've gotten to the point now where you can't just sort of count on your savvy. You need sort of something working behind the scenes just in case, you know, even a safe looking thing turns out not to be safe. You got it. That's, uh, that's exactly right. <clears throat> I know there's a couple of schools of thought. Um, I guess we're, we're kind of already dipping into this a little bit, but um, some people say, you know, whatever, you know, package your, your OS offers like Windows Defender, you know, it's probably enough to catch, you know, catch all the common issues. And if someone's coming for you, 
no antivirus is going to stop it anyway. So what does Malwarebytes offer that goes above and beyond the out-of-the-box protection packages offered by most computer manufacturers? Yeah, this is an age-old question. And, you know, from my point of view, you know, having worked on thousands of machines or some of the software that we've created has helped millions of computers stay safe or, more importantly, recover from when they've been attacked. I think it's a little bit dangerous just to say I'm going to have this singular solution, whether it's the out-of-box solution or maybe it's a third-party add-on. And it's really about what are you doing with that machine and making sure you've got enough stuff going on that machine uh, to keep you protected. It's almost like a home. You know, every home is going to have some doors and some windows. Some may opt for a lock. Some may opt for, you know, the steel bar grates that you see in some areas of town. So you really need to understand the situation that you're in uh, and making sure that you're applying the correct amount of security. You can, of course, have too much security. Uh, I've had lots of folks, uh, if you can imagine this, actually lock their iPhone down so much with restrictions, which is the parental controls, that they've actually blocked themselves from doing anything uh, on their own phone. So don't put everything on the machine unless you need everything on the machine. Okay, so how do you sort of decide what your, what your, your saturation point is? Well, one great point uh, that you can get clarified is uh, folks like our, our forums helpers really help people understand kind of what is going on with their machine and kind of stepping them into the right security package. For me, at least for my average consumers, which most are still residential for me, um, it's a good antivirus, you know, built-in Windows Defender is really phenomenal these days. Our package, of course, is great. Uh, a browser extension is is fantastic. And then, of course, the fourth one is password management, very specifically making sure you've got two-factor authentication in that password strategy um, kind of designed. And all of that goes a really long way with good user education of kind of what's happening and um, what to do. In the past, I know I've I've had, you know, situations where my computer had a malware detection system, Malwarebytes, and, you know, an antivirus running in tandem. And there were uh, a lot of times issues of the two somehow sort of fighting each other or causing glitches within the computer. Is that sort of thing being resolved? Is that that less common now or is that still an issue? It is definitely still an issue. And I can't speak to all of our competitors, but most definitely in the traditional AV space, you're going to have two conflicts when you've got um, kind of two AVs going on. So when you see and AV getting put on, a lot of times they'll disable Defender or vice versa. Mm-hmm. With ours, we've always positioned our product as a sidekick um, and as an addition, if you will. And now with the latest 3.0, uh, not even latest because it's been two years now, um, we're actually saying that can be the leading um, security product on the machine. You can certainly use Defender if you wish. You can certainly use another third-party vendor. Um, but we really recommend having Malwarebytes on the machine um, and at minimum having Defender there. It's a really good one-two punch combo. Well, so we're, 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 we got right into the point that I wanted to specifically talk to you about today. Uh, you mentioned the forums, but yeah. uh, I think one of the most intriguing things about Malwarebytes when I discovered it, which at this point, probably five years or more, seven years, who knows, uh, was that you're, you had these free malware removal forums. And to get mm-hmm. people up to speed, uh, for people who have Malwarebytes, is this, this is a member-only service, right? Or is this usable by anyone? It's actually open to anybody. So we've got kind of our traditional support, which does look at kind of our paid or even our free users or even our premium you know, business users. But on the forums, the forums is really open to anybody that wants to join and um, maybe get some assistance. Right. And, and to that end, you know, you can come uh, onto the malware removal forums and say, something's wrong with my computer. Something got through my, you know, my, my antivirus, my ma- anti-malware. Uh, things and there's definitely something wrong and you know it's not just I've been on so many forums where you just get that same cut and paste you know response from you know whoever Um, you know you get a dedicated person who 
looks at your case one-on-one and, you know, takes it on personally, sends you a detailed walkthrough of what you need to do, check this folder, initiate this log file, send me the log, I'll tell you what to do next, yeah. you know, and analyzes the entire procedure until what you have done is, is been removed, checked, taken care of. And this can take up to 48 hours, you know, three, four steps. So how did Malwarebytes yep. come up with the idea for this system? Is it, you know, um, there, there wasn't really anything like that before that, was there? Yeah, so there's, you know, forums are kind of interesting. So forums have been around since, uh, you know, the, the 90s in a variety of different fashions. And a couple of the big industries that came out of that were the automobile, so kind of the, the, the car technicians, uh, as well as the computer technicians with the World Wide Web, you know, coming really um, into kind of full swing in the late 90s. And if you remember, Marson started on the forums, our, our founder and CEO, and he found it very valuable to come on and get some assistance. And not only did they help him, but they helped spark an idea inside of him to create Malwarebytes and, um, you know, really create the company that we have today. Mm-hmm. And so the forums are there, one, to, to kind of pay respect to that and to make sure that that service is there for anybody that needs some assistance, whether it's a Malwarebytes customer, a Malwarebytes potential customer, or maybe it's just somebody on the internet that needs some computer assistance. We want to make sure that they've got some help uh, available. So how are the techs in this forum recruited? Are they part of the company? Are they employees? Are they just people who are volunteering their time to sort of help out in, in need? So I know there's a, there's a tip jar system. There is. So we've got kind of two, uh, two members, if you will, besides the, the, the general public that comes on. So we've got our employees. And those are folks that are the, the product managers, QAs, the engineers. They're on there kind of learning about the product. Also, some are helping from a support perspective. And then what really drives our community is, well, the community. Mm-hmm. And that's made up of a, a variety of different volunteers that are maybe doing it part-time, maybe they've retired, or maybe they just love fixing computers. What you need to know about technicians is we love serving and helping others. So they want to learn about stuff, they want to help people. And in, inside of the computer repair kind of forums world, there's a few tests and, and procedures that you need to go through to make sure that you're certified. And there's you know, a handful of sites that kind of all follow the same rules. And once you get certified at a certain level, you get a certain badge. And then we say, yep, come on our forums and you can speak on half of, you know, kind of the malware issues happening on Malwarebytes or maybe it's bleepingcomputer.com. That's another very popular site. Um, But we all try to remain kind of the same educated level, if you will, and then applying the same techniques um, on our forums. So it sounds like there's there's not necessarily a training process for these volunteers. They've been trained just by the force of their experience. Or do you have sort of like a flow chart that you suggest to anyone that's sort of doing the volunteer work? Yeah, so there's there's kind of light um, guiding principles, if you will, um, and you've got to pass some certain tests if you're doing malware removal. You've got to understand the inside of Windows, the inside of Macs, the inside of whatever platform you're working on, and then of course, kind of the architecture of how malware and malware removal works. But then we we do leave it up to each individual to kind of come up with their procedure. It's it's guided, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but you'll see that with some of the customized um, responses, they look very personalized. They're kind of a, a, we call them canned messages. They're a light canned message that they don't have to type the same thing over and over. It's their personal kind of flair on it to help them, um, you know, serve you in the way that they see fit. Right. And um, so there is there sort of a, uh, someone sort of supervising the the solutions. Have you ever had a situation where a tech was maybe not giving the right advice and someone was able to sort of tap them on the shoulder and say, why not do this instead? Yeah, it happens all the time, whether it's with the procedure itself, or maybe there's a tool that um, techs love using tools at work. And once a tool works, it's almost the hardest thing to take away from a technician, even if that company stopped supporting it, even if it you know, worked in Windows XP 18 years ago and it no longer works today, they love the tool. 
but they really love learning and, and come up with those new techniques. And, you know, behind the scenes, we're always constantly sharing on almost a daily basis on new techniques and procedures and tools. How do you retain these experts? Is there a high burnout rate with these people? That's that's a very interesting question. So they really love being in this space. And you can actually see some of the same names between, you know, our community and the Bleeping Computer community Mm -hmm. uh, and Wilders as well. And they really like being in all these areas to, um, one, keep their knowledge up to speed, uh, but then two, really serve people. So some people will pop on for a year or two, maybe take a little bit of time off. But for the most part, most of our community is very, very tenured, you know, six, seven, eight, 10, 15 years, which is a pretty long time in the um, computer support world. Um, what, what are some of the most common malware removal problems that these techs receive? I'm assuming that there's sort of categories that come up again and again. What are some things also that, you know, people can do to sort of prevent these common issues? Yeah, so the, the big one nowadays is, you know, the browser is really getting attacked. And that could come in kind of two, two ways. One is an actual malicious attack. And then one is what we call, you know, I don't want to say it's benign. It's almost like an annoying ad. Maybe it's an ad that comes up and says, hey, call Microsoft. The ad mm-hmm. itself isn't malicious, but the phone number, once you engage with that phone number, then you're starting down that kind of malicious um, right. uh, trajectory, if you will. On the actual infection side, we're seeing a lot of Bitcoin miners uh, mm-hmm. that are showing up. So somebody who goes into a site and some of the legitimate sites are now saying, you know, pay us, turn your ad blocker off or let us drop a Bitcoin miner on your machine. Oh. And that's how you can get to our services. So helping people understand what are those Bitcoin miners doing uh, and why they may or may not want them on their machine. Yeah, yeah, and I, I talk a little more about that. Like, um, so they actually tell you upfront, we're going to drop a Bitcoin miner onto your computer and people are like, fine, that's fine. Um, I mean, how much, how much bandwidth does that, or you know, processing uh, work does that take on your computer? Well, what's inter- interesting about this is it's the age old, um, you know, kind of end user license agreement that comes up and says, hey, I'm going to do a bunch of stuff. It's a really long document. You just go, ah, accept, 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 accept. Yeah. Just get me to the thing that I'm trying to read. And I think people are really getting taken advantage by that. And, you know, the, the, the mining itself, it's really up to the site and to the, to the creator how much they're actually going to kind of wean away from, uh, from the user. Of course, they want to use as many CPU cycles as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they want to go undetected, you know, they're just going to hang out and take a, a cycle here or a cycle there and hopefully not get uh, picked up or noticed by anything. Are these these mining devices, are these, um, do they have like a, a, a stop point or are they just kind of on the computer for good until you remove it? They're kind of on the computer uh, until, uh, until you remove it. Sure, certainly some, you know, have, have time bombs inside of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm trying to create something like this and I just want to use your CPU cycles, I'm going to drop it on the machine, maybe take a cycle or two. Um, you know, it's going to be less than a word document. So you're not even really going to notice any performance hit um, mm-hmm. as this is doing it. And the average users, you know, not going to open up task manager and notice anything with a one or 2% CPU spike. That's uh, that's right. going to be anything to them until it's been going on for 18 months or whatever. You got it. Uh, so for people wanting to get involved with the forums as technicians, how much free time is required and, and sort of what are, what are the qualifications? How would you sort of uh, toss your hat in the ring, I guess? Yeah, just come out to our forums. It's, uh, you know, super easy to engage with us there. So if, if that is something you're looking to do, just come on our forums, you know, ping any one of the moderators, myself, um, no problem, we'll, uh, we'll chat with you. And really, it's as much time as you want to give. Some of our volunteers are on there, you know, four or five hours a day. Maybe they're retired or maybe they're in between jobs or, you know, they, they just want to be in the community. Um, and then it's really you know, up to you how you want to engage. And some of the stuff we look at is, you know, what is your, what is your training? What is your history? Um, sometimes people vouch for another person from another forums, but for the most part, we really want people to go through kind of the malware 
um, philosophy of how to kind of approach these machines because there is kind of a um, uh, float that we want them to go through. Of course, they want to add their own flair and we allow people to bring their own tools. You know, we don't want to say, don't use this third party or this competitor's tool. If a community member wants to use one of our competitor's tools on our website, we actually support that because um, we really like seeing those different tools and different um, kind of philosophies applied and um, maybe we can even learn something and incorporate it into Malwarebytes. So what skill sets would a potential tech need to demonstrate? What, or what experience would they have to have in their background to be considered? Or is it pretty much just, I can do this? Yeah, so the two kind of traits that I look for is um, technicians are curious. Um, that's the first and, and foremost um, uh, trait that we have. And then the second, it's going to sound weird, but having a personality, um, having that ability to talk to people. So you can teach anybody kind of the I don't say anybody, but most people, you can teach the technology behind it, but you can't teach that curiosity and kind of that customer support. So once you've got those two, and then you've got that technical kind of training background, maybe it's new, what have you, um, that's how you get a well-rounded technician. Okay. So um, as we move toward the end of year holiday season, actually, by the time this drops, we might already have been past it. But uh, every year we get what I've, I've heard described as the parent computer amnesty weekend as everyone goes home <laughs> to their family and uh, says, what's, what's wrong with my computer? You know, what are some advices, piece of advice you could give for us to avoid getting hit by potential malware? And what advice could you give people trying to sort of fortify their parents' computers or their less tech-savvy relatives, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's one thing, you know, to have your, your computer locked down, but it's another thing, you know, when your parents keep sending you, you know, weird things or forwarding things or, you know, what have you. And, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, it's, it's endless. I like the, uh, the amnesty part. That's a, that's a funny way to approach it. Uh, I love going home for the holidays because I get asked all sorts of new kind of bizarre things that I didn't know somebody could do with an iPhone or with an Android device or something. Um, But, you know, if I could give one piece of advice um, and there's all sorts of things. And one of the problems with us technically minded people is we're trying to get everybody to sign up for the security stack and the AV and the anti-malware and the password manager and all this. They don't care. They just just don't care about it. Um, One quick thing that you can do is you can enable two factor authentication on as many accounts of your relatives as possible. Now, I'm not saying you can go around with an easy username and an easy password, but having two-factor authentication is a better step than having a complex password um, on on a site. So get two-factor on all the sites that you can. And if that's too much of a pain for you, get two-factor on the top five that they use, Facebook, Gmail, um, put a, uh, it's kind of a quasi-account password, but for your um, cell phone so people can't sign up and get new cell phones um, for you. You can do it on your social security account, your IRS account, your uh, United States Postal Service account. So you've got all sorts of options. Get two-factor on the top five sites that your parents and uh, relatives use. Nice. Uh, so what, what role can education play in making people more savvy about malware? Um, you know, what, what are some strategies you can use to explain these risks to your tech savvy members of your family? And, and, you know, just sort of how do you let them know what the actual danger is apart from just putting it on their machine? Yeah, so I kind of have two... Um, Two approaches. One is you have to assume you're going to get attacked um, at some point. And by attack, I mean, maybe your stuff leaked with the Equifax breach. Maybe um, your Facebook actually got hacked, not the hack that everybody say. Um, But assume your stuff is going to be taken advantage of. So kind of safeguard your information. And then the second is really help them with an analogy that kind of comes to where they're at. Um, Car analogies is a fantastic one. Cars and the services industry for cars has been around for, you know, 100, uh, 100 plus years or so. But helping them understand, well, when you get a blue screen, 
that's like a check engine light. When you get a piece of malware, that's like a nail in your tire and helping them understand those, those varying levels so that they don't just see, you know, the, the, the big term from the 90s and early 2000s was virus. And now everything is a virus. My computer's slow, it's a virus. My computer's fast, it's a virus. My computer blew up, it's a virus. So I thought that was good, uh, but it also didn't really educate anybody because now they're just saying a generic term that means way too many things behind the scenes. Yeah, and at the same time, I imagine it's not as important that they know the exact theory of, you know, every single thing that's attacking them as long as they know what they need to do to sort of keep it away. You got it. And also, I've had parent, you know, family members who have, you know, been hit. And I think there's, it's important to also let them know that it's not something to be ashamed of or to hide, you know, just about every one of us has gotten hit. Like you said, even, you know, the, the head of malware bites has been, you know, hit by malware and so forth. So it's, it's, it's a rite of passage more than anything. It is. And your, your stuff is going to get stolen. I mean, the Equifax that keep mentioning the Marriott breach that just happened, the Yahoo breaches, the LinkedIn breaches, you really did nothing wrong there. Um, or even anything like Target. So like a, a regular store's breaches, making sure that you safeguarded that information and control what actually ends up in the hands of these companies um, is, is step one. And then if your stuff does get leaked, rather when, um, you kind of know what that controlled uh, amount of data is. All right. As we wrap up today, uh, do you have any final safety recommendations? Any uh, big things on the horizon for Malwarebytes? Yeah, so we do have a, a couple of really interesting products coming uh, next year. Specifically, if you're listening to this and you're working in the MSP space, um, watch for something very, very interesting for us. So think of it as kind of our current products, but with an MSP um, uh, more dedication, if you will, early in quarter one of next year. Hmm. Um, and for kind of the average listener of, of your show here, Control your data that goes out to these companies. Um, don't always sign up with your full name, your first name, your full email address, and everything of that nature. You know, a great example, instead of saying, you know, Chris Johnson as a username, mm-hmm. obfuscate the username. So when the data does leak, they've got an obfuscated username, they've got a, a great strong password, you've got two-factor authentication on it, yep. and somebody on the dark web is going to look at that and go, well, I don't care who this random hexadecimal username is, but I do know Chris Johnson is that lives in Tennessee, and that gives them a starting point to find your data. So, as much as you can obfuscate your data, obfuscate your data. Uh, great plan. And uh, Michael Sherwood, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you all for listening and watching. If you enjoyed today's video, you can find many more of them on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type in InfoSec Institute to check out our collection of tutorials, interviews, and past webinars. If you'd like to have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos are available as audio podcasts including this one, please visit infosecinstitute.com slash cyberspeak for the full list of episodes. If you'd like to qualify for a free pair of headphones with a class sign-up, podcast listeners can go to infosecinstitute.com slash podcast to learn more. And if you'd like to try our free security IQ package, which includes phishing simulators you can use to fake fish and then educate your colleagues in the ways of security awareness, please visit infosecinstitute.com slash security IQ. Thank you once again to Michael Sherwood, and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week.